Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome, listeners, to a special episode. Once again, Alan and I are giving our Oscars reactions as of the time of this recording The Oscars, the 94th Oscars, I should say, happened last night. We both watched it live. We watched the um, what's what's come to be known as the slap heard around the world. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. So we got to see uh, all the highs and lows. So we're going to be giving you our thoughts on that. Uh, This is your co-host, Corbin. And I'm Alan. So we do this every year. We give our thoughts on the Oscars. So if you want to go back and hear years past, I'm going to be linking down to the Oscars page below where you can go back and hear all of our uh, our juicy thoughts on um, the previous year's Oscars. But I will say up front, Alan, I know you uh, made a pretty good effort to try and get a lot of stuff watched last this year. I think last year you watched everything, but yeah, this year was a good effort as well. Yeah, last yeah, it was it was last year. Last year I was able to see every single uh nomination, which also includes documentary and the documentary shorts and the animated shorts and live action shorts. I gotta see everything. Everything that anything that was nominated and up for an Oscar, I was able to see. Uh which I just about died <laughs> trying to catch them all <laughs> last year. Um but to be fair, they were also much easier to get your hands on because for the most part they were oh, somewhere yeah. on some streaming service. So yeah, this year I didn't get to see everything. Uh, I got it most of the way through a, uh, of all the nominations. I didn't get I didn't get the documentaries or the short films or anything like that. Um, and I also missed the animated features. But everything else, except with the exception of a, of a handful, I was able to catch. But I honestly didn't think I was going to make it this year. I didn't think I was going to have enough time. But um, ended up blocking off a whole week and just did <laughs> two movies a night, which really helped out a lot. So. I was able to get most of them done. I as well made a push for it. Alan may have seen more than me. We're, uh, actually, Alan and I really haven't got to talk much about Oscars it's true. this year. This You're going to be hearing like our live conversation about it right now. Um, we we are on Letterboxd, so go ahead and follow us on Letterboxd. Profiles down below because I know we each kind of wrote up certain thoughts on some movies. So if you want maybe a little bit more in-depth thoughts... Um, Alan had a good review for Drive My Car. Uh, part of it did make me crack up a little bit talking about the lifeless <laughs> deliver- deliveries for some of those. Yeah, this was the year. And to be fair, like I I don't write too many reviews in Letterboxd, but this year I had a mm-hmm. lot of thoughts on a number of different movies. Some of them I was just like, I liked it. That was about as far as my review went. But there were a couple like Drive My Car where I like had a lot of things that I wanted to talk uh-huh. about or was trying to at least kind of understand what my thought process was and ended up being a longer review on Letterboxd just for that reason alone. So as far as a general show goes, I did read this was the longest Oscars since 2018. It was like 39 minutes longer Hmm. than 2018, which was one of the longest ones. I felt the length of it. I thought it was fairly long to get through. I know there was a controversial decision to pre-record eight categories and show those they would edit them back in during the oscars 
What did you think of that decision, Alan? And did it affect your enjoyment of the award show? I got to say, uh, I mean, I guess I noticed when they edited the men because, you know, when it's a normal nomination that's presented live, um, the person who presents the award also, you know, says this is the person that won, right? Whereas when they were pre-recording it, whoever the announcer lady was um, that more or less just narrated the openings and closings of the Oscars just said, and the award goes to, and and that's when you kind of knew that it was pre-recorded. Uh, I mean, I, I personally wish that they were in the show. I guess seeing how they did it, I don't really care. Um, some of these awards I would have liked to have seen, you know, presented live, but I mean, it. they still got, you know, the acceptance speeches and they saw at least somebody, you know, talk about this is what's up for nomination. So I guess it wasn't that big of a deal, but I know it was a pretty controversial decision when they announced that. It feels like every year there has to be some kind of controversial decision. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know why that that is the case. It's weird because they've clearly been doing this for 94 years at this point. So it I get it. They're trying to they're trying to evolve. They're trying to change. But at the same time, if you've got a formula, if it works, just figure it out. Quit trying to push the envelope too hard. Apparently, I noticed it as well. My wife noticed it and she didn't know. My wife is like, what is going on? This is weird. Yeah. With these pre-recorded ones. And I said, well, it's pre-recorded. And she's like, oh, wow, really? And I said, yeah, it is. And I guess as far as it went to me, it didn't matter to me a whole lot i think it does kind of detract from some of the prestige of the night where it's like if you're going just celebrate all of the awards equally don't treat some differently and at the same time it didn't even end up making the awards any shorter the award show is actually longer now some people cough cough will smith had like really long acceptance speeches right and also decided to interrupt the show in inappropriate ways but I also thought I could have done without some of the skits and some of the songs. I'm just not a big fan of that kind of stuff within the Oscars. Yeah, I was wondering about. So I was thinking about this during the like when I was watching the ceremony. Um, and I, so my my question is, you know, because I agree with you, some of the stuff is like it feels like it just goes on for a long time, and they'll like it got into this rhythm of it'll present an award. Um, and then have a, some kind of skit and maybe even some kind of musical number and then a commercial break. And then it'll just do, a whole, it'll do that same thing again. Um, maybe not in that order, but they'd cover those bases before for each commercial break. And I was thinking the same thing where, you know, what if they just like, you know, took out the musical performances and just had it straight, like a straight awards show. And it kind of gets into the question of, okay, well, you know, what, what, how far, how much do you take out before it just becomes like, just not the Oscars anymore? Um, I mean, personally, I would like this to kind of go pretty quick and like just go run down the nominations. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, do, you know, I agree. From the Academy's perspective, you know, how much can you take out before it's just not the Oscars anymore? Uh, I don't think anything that's there is really worth anything, but I wonder why the Academy still decides to, you know, do some of these more traditional things. Well, before we get into our thoughts on the winners and losers in general, what was your thoughts on? how the award show went in general, like, especially because, you know, we've been watching this for for years now, mm -hmm. just to compare to years past. Was this one of the better ones? Was this a forgettable one? Just the way it was structured, you know, the host and whatnot. I got to say, um, as an overall package, I felt like this Oscars was more 
more on the more sloppier side. This felt like a really weirdly unorganized Oscars in some ways. And I mean that more more on the technical side of things, because well, I think one thing that comes to mind is when Drive My Car won for uh, uh, what it was best international film. When Drive My yeah. Car won, uh, you know the guy representing the film, I think it was the director, he came up and he started talking about it. <laughs> and then they started playing music to get him off stage. And he goes, okay, yeah. hold on one minute. And they cut the music. And then he gave a, like a, you know, another part of his speech before he eventually, you know, got off stage. Um, mm -hmm. And then also at the same time, you know, the hosts were, I was scared that the hosts would be <laughs> annoying, kind of like how Jimmy Kimmel was, um, yeah. especially yeah. on its second round. And for the most yeah. part, they were relatively hands off. They weren't as bad as I was, I guess, thinking they could be. Um, They're still kind of annoying, but mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> as an overall package, I felt like this was on the more sloppier side personally. And of course, you got the whole Will Smith thing, which has now become a meme, and he's now under investigation by the Academy themselves on you know what actions can be taken against it. But uh, that was by far the highlight All of right. the entire Oscars, and honestly, probably the only re only real reason to watch it outside of just catching the clips of the acceptance speeches afterwards. Yeah, or some would say low light of the yeah, Oscars. <laughs> that's also very true, yeah. Whatever way you want to look at it, yeah. I would agree with you. I think this year was incredibly meh as far as the award show went. Mm -hmm. I didn't even really get to watch most of, most of it last year because it was my wife's birthday, so I went back and watched clips. Last year just didn't really feel like the Oscars at all because of the way it was structured in different theaters and because of their COVID protocols and whatnot. So I was happy to see a return to more of the kind of the grandeur of the theater. But the hosts, I thought Amy Schumer was the only host. I didn't realize it was a trio of hosts. Amy Schumer only took up maybe like 20 minutes of the entirety of it. She disappeared mm -hmm. for mostly all of it, which surprised me. Um, I feel like Wanda Sykes was mostly there. She was funny for the most part, except when she came out dressed like King Richard and Amy Schumer was dressed up like Spider-Man. I was just not really into that. And yeah. they did a lot of these weird, like cringy jokes as well. Um, talking about COVID swabbing these single men. I'm just like, Oh, okay, let's move on, please. We're not here for your, cringe right yeah i was a little bit surprised that the hosts were pretty hands-off i was surprised they went back to hosting that was the weirdest one yeah. of the weirder decisions for me is you know hit. i mean from what i was seeing it felt like it flowed a little bit better without a host and now they're going yep. back and deciding to do it they have more than one host of course this time they have three of them three co-hosts uh this year but it felt like a weird decision and then when it was all said and done i don't know if they were really even needed because they were so kind of hands-off for the entire yeah. ceremony and we really came out occasionally to give out, you know, just some kind of funny skit. That's really about it. Yeah. There was that weird segment where Amy Poehler had um, Kristen Dunst stand up and called her a seat filler. And then I'm sure it was a part of yeah. it, but Jesse Plemons was like, that's my wife. And it, I don't know. It just didn't play off very well. It's just strange, right. but I, I do definitely agree. The year they went without a host because I think the Oscars was in trouble, like nobody was watching it. It really fell from people's enjoyment. They went without a host and I think it worked really well. I got to say, I'm also tired of them hiring comedians as hosts. I get it. You want to bring a little bit of brevity to it, but I'm just, okay. The comedy usually just ends up being this weird self deprecating cringy stuff. It just, and clearly yeah. it, it went really, really wrong. 
this time it went so wrong, but they did a couple interesting things also. Um, fan favorite movies or audience cheering awards. That was weird. Yeah, the fan favorite lists were very strange because I there were a few films on I think they had like three different two or three different segments where they, you know, had a list of top five favorite films or whatever. Uh, And on all the lists, there were movies on there. I'm like, what movie? What is this? I have not (laughs) heard of this at all. Uh, Army of the Dead is one of them. And there was one of them on that same list where I'm just like, these are I'm learning about these movies like as the Oscars are live. How did I'm I'm confused as to why this is on the fan favorites. They were very strange. I don't get it. Yeah, and the flash from Zack Snyder's Justice League was the yeah. most cheerworthy moment. Okay. Yeah. It's okay, I think it seems like to me, you know, it's the uh, I guess attempt at trying to bring in the more popular films that wouldn't usually get an Oscar. Because, you know, we had that year uh, a couple of years ago where they tried to introduce Best Achievement in Pop Film and it got, oh. you know, pretty, pretty good, pretty well wrecked by everybody because right. like this is ridiculous. I think it's something like that where um, it feels like they're trying to, you know, bring in more pop films that more people have seen, um, but putting them in like, you know, a different way of, you know, I guess bringing them up at some point in, in the in the Oscars. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I did not like the in memoriam this year whatsoever. Yeah, this year was especially elaborate. (laughs) It was very elaborate. It didn't feel very reverential to me for these people that had passed away because it was just this choir like singing multiple different songs and these like weird little speeches from like Bill Murray or other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, It just didn't work at all. I was like, man, this isn't a sentimental whatsoever. Um, talking about going into the sky and we'll see you again or something. It was strange. Yeah, I definitely checked out during that home in memoriam section. Yeah. Uh, usually it's just like a video clip that they play and they have like, you know, scenes from movies that, you know, actors that have died that year or, or, or you know, they're, you know, honoring and during that, that section. That's about as far as it goes. But this year was way really different than in years past. But I personally, I was pretty well checked out. Um, when they got to that point, I was working on other more important things that really care too much about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the last thing I'll say is we'll we'll talk about Best Picture here in a minute, but I'm not quite sure why they had Lady Gaga and Liza Minnelli present it. It just felt strange to me having those yeah. two present. Yeah, I, I don't know the reason uh, for having them to that was again kind of one of those things where I just got, kind of felt like it was a little bit sloppy yeah um, no it was the one thing that I do think they did right and this is the last thing I'll say before we jump into the awards is I thought it was kind of cool to celebrate movie anniversaries and then have like the cast or crew come out and do yeah. like a presentation like they did that with Pulp Fiction for instance yeah Pulp Fiction and The Godfather were the two that they did this year yeah that I do agree with that I think that that is kind of something kind of cool I mean it's it's kind of you know, somewhat what movies are doing the same thing now for the most part. They're bringing back, you know, actors who played a character in the original film into this new iteration of it. Um, So it it kind of felt like it kind of fit into that same kind of thing, you know, where they're bringing back the original cast, like The Godfather or or Pulp Fiction. I did like that part, too, that they were bringing back the the casts um, for for those movies to, you know, introduce an award or whatever. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the winners and losers of the night. I will tell you what our pick was, what actually won, and 
we'll just go ahead and talk about it. So I will say for um, short film, live action, documentary, short subject, um, I did not get to see either of those. I did not get to see anything in those. I, I yeah, I didn't either. I didn't get to see anything from those lists. I don't even think I really even looked at them. I did. I did get to see um, Robin Robin, which uh, one um, was my number one pick for short film animated. It's the only one I got to see. That's from Ardman Entertainment, okay. and I uh, really liked it. So that one is on Netflix. Um, I do recommend you uh, check that out. It's a fun one. Gotcha. I guess I okay. I guess I did get to see the first fifteen minutes of Flea, but only the first like fifteen minutes. Mm -hmm. um i think it was on it's on some streaming for some streaming service but that's like uh that was in documentary and uh i think best international film too and animated yeah well we did see drive my car which won best foreign mm -hmm. language film um i wanted to see the worst person in the world it wasn't readily available to me um flea i will the i haven't seen it the one thing i will say about it is it feels a little not right that would get nominated for best animated film best international film and best documentary it's just like to me i feel like they kind of need to pick a lane there um because it really does hit a lot of different categories but uh mm -hmm. we saw drive my car so that was my number one pick and i got it, it was the only one i saw yeah that, <laughs> i did also really wanted to see uh worst person in the world i heard it was really good but i, I wasn't able to get around to it Drive My Car is the only one on this list that I actually got to see all the way through. Uh, again, fully, I saw the first 15 minutes, and that's about it. So, yeah, Drive My Car is my only pick. And, if, yeah, like you said, it it won. So, that's it. The Hand of God is also on Netflix. I had been meaning to see that for a while. Didn't get around to it, but maybe I will someday. It sounds good. Mm -hmm. Well, Best Documentary was went to Summer of Soul, which was on Hulu. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see any of the documentaries. I've heard Summer of Soul is great, so I would... I really do want to go back and watch that. But before we get into uh, what preceded the uh, best documentary um, altercation, Alan, did you get it? Did you get to see any of the documentaries? Uh, Flea was the only one that I saw any piece of, and that okay. was only the first like part of it. So no. Okay. So this was when Chris Rock came out to present um, best documentary. He made a joke about will smith's wife um she has alopecia so she has um some hair loss issues i've heard that chris rock didn't know that but nevertheless typically stand-up comedy does poke fun at people and will smith initially laughed and then his wife wasn't happy and then he went up and physically assaulted chris rock proceeded to sit back down cuss just straight up stop the show cuss him out and it was shocking. I thought it was a joke at first until they started yeah. bleeping it out and cutting out. I I, th I think most everybody was under that same impression at first, too, that, you know, it was just a joke that it was all kind of staged that, you know, Chris was going to say this joke about his wife and, and whatnot. And I could imagine, too, because, you know, the shot right before he, you know, you know Will Smith walks up to Chris is, you know, is well laughing. Uh, so it, it's kind of yeah. confusing that it would, you know, it went from, it went from Chris telling the joke to Will laughing about it to back to Chris. And then all of a sudden Will Smith walks up there and hits him, uh, kind of confusing how they pieced all that together. There is an uncensored version. It's pretty easy to find now. Uh, I found it, I, I found it pretty quick after the whole thing happened. Cause once, you know, after Will Smith came up and hit him, 
then you know Oscar is just you know they they muted and for about about thirty seconds. So their their altercation back and forth was not live in in America, but apparently it was in Australia. So <laughs> seconds after that whole thing happened, I was able to find the uncensored version of it. So oh, wow. yeah, he Will Smith yelled back uh, something to the effect of "Keep my wife's name out of your uh, bleeping mouth" <laughs> to yeah. Chris Rock. Bad. So yeah, he was not very happy about that and. The internet is now divided on, on who was right in the situation. <laughs> uh, that is true. As with everything, everything seems yeah. to be divisive. Nevertheless, this was truly shocking to me and just mm -hmm. highly disappointing because this is the first time I, from what I read and heard, this was the first time like physical violence, like an actual on-screen crime. It's a crime to assault someone happened at the Oscars and um, what's really disappointing is Will Smith seems like such a great guy from his movies and from interviews. He is up for best actor. This is how his night of winning is going to be remembered. And as him hitting Chris Rock, not that he won it, but it was the night he won and assaulted the presenter. And mm -hmm. it's also incredibly arrogant because he stopped the show and he made it all about him and his wife when it really is a night about all these other people. And he was taking a lot of that away, I think, by distracting from the fact that Chris Rock is making a joke. Also, not to mention, this is just not how you solve problems as adults. You don't solve it. This is what children do. This is what I did when I was a right. kid and I didn't like something was happening. I remember when I was in preschool i hit a kid because he wouldn't quit biting me this is just crazy because when you're that famous you're in the limelight people are going to make jokes at you and they weren't the only one and you don't solve it with violence so this was just really shocking out of left field i don't know why he thought that was a good good idea <laughs> yeah i don't know and it's the it, the weirdest part is just the series of events, right? Because, of course, you know, Will Smith uh, gets mad at his uh, Chris's joke. He walks up and hits him. And then they have an altercation in the middle of the show. Um, and then minutes after that, he gets awarded, Will Smith gets awarded Best Actor for his role in, in King Richard. And mm -hmm. he then goes on to say in his, in his acceptance speech, something to the effect of love makes us do crazy things, which is just really, really strange. You know, the series of events that happened is really, really strange because it almost feels like, you know, of course it isn't because it was pre-planned, but uh, the awards were decided on before the show even began. But it kind of feels like he was almost awarded for that behavior and then tried to skeet it off during his acceptance speech that this is, you know, the reason why I did this, there's a reason why I did this, you know, it's because love makes you do crazy things. He did apologize, but at the same time, it's like, what in the what? What happened here? It's... It's bizarre is what it is. It's really bizarre. But apparently the Academy is looking into, uh, I don't think they're gonna revoke that Oscar, but that they are definitely looking into some kind of like punishment for for that. I know uh, Chris Rock did say he's not going to press charges, um, but the Academy apparently is gonna have some kind of, something to say about it once they have their, once they finish their investigation. So we'll see. This isn't the end of the story, but we'll see what happens next. Yeah, the, um, I did read that um, the people that were running the Oscars, the producers were considering asking him to leave immediately after that happened. Um, oh, really? They did put out a tweet that said the Oscars does not condone violence, yet they mm -hmm. allowed him to that. stay and he got a standing ovation for his award. 
So it seemed it, it just rang hollow with a lot of people. And yeah. it was definitely distressing, to say the least. And not to mention, the Oscars is supposed to be fun. It's really not supposed to be, you know, the Hunger Games or something. And you have to mm -hmm. start fighting people <laughs> over like what they say or what what award you get or not. But I, um, yeah, um, his speech was bizarre, honestly. Let's just go ahead and yeah. jump to that point. So he was crying pretty heavily, it seemed like. And he didn't apologize to Chris Rock, but he did apologize to the Academy and to his fellow contenders. He said that God is calling him to protect people. And uh, we do know after the altercation happened, Denzel Washington came up and spoke with him. Tyler Perry came up. The producer of the Oscars came up and Bradley Cooper came up and they all mm -hmm. talked with him about it. And I guess Denzel said... You know, hey, you know, at your highest moment, Satan's going to attack you. And it seemed a little troubling that he kind of justified what he did by talking about, you know, um, well, Richard was a protector of his family and, you know, God wants me to protect my family. And right. it, it was weird. And they even blocked out some of the, they blocked out the image. Did you notice that? Because he said, oh, I just spit all over the floor or something. I hope nobody saw that. And they put up the Oscars yeah. logo over the screen. Yeah, that was one of those things, again, just to kind of the sloppiness. They they cut at one point when when he said that to the Oscar logo. And then at least on my end, they kept like kind of cutting in and out like randomly. And then eventually it went back to him. Yep, but mine too. Yeah, when they cut to that logo, um, I guess because he spit. I don't know if, if it was that or if it was like some weird technical problem or what the deal was. But yeah, that that was also very strange. Like right in the middle of his of his acceptance speech. Now that's on record forever that you know that was just the way that it was filmed. So it's yeah. bizarre. Yeah, I just think it's so disappointing. And I gotta say, I lost a lot of respect for Will Smith. Not to say he was my favorite actor, but I just can't respect somebody that that does that kind of stuff because that's a crime. You cannot just go up and hit someone like that. And mm -hmm. uh yeah, it was it was weird. It really did kind of I think it kind of brought down the rest of the night um, for everybody. So uh, hope hopefully that won't happen ever again to any anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Physical violence at any award show is a big no, no, I would think <laughs> it's a big no, no. Um, so I will say Will Smith was actually my number one pick to win best actor. But after that, I I'm like, you know what? Even though I think it was it was a close tie between him and Denzel Washington, I'm like, I just don't want him to win after that because it, it put such mm -hmm. a bad taste in my mouth. Honestly, I found it to be very just disturbing. I was like, man, this isn't I don't want to watch this if, if this is just how it's going to go. But Alan, I know you weren't pulling for him from what I understand. Who was your pick to win Best Actor? So I was tied between also Denzel Washington and Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. Uh, I was thinking, I honestly, either of those two I'd be okay with. Um, and after seeing, you know, Javier Bardem and Andrew Garfield, um, I would be okay with them too. But I was I was wanting either Benedict Cumberbatch or Denzel Washington to win it. I was very, very impressed by both of their performances in Power of the Dog and Tragedy of Macbeth. That is interesting because while I thought Cumberbatch's performance was good, he was actually my last choice. Oh, really? Um, I had Denzel in second, Garfield third, Bardem fourth, and Cumberbatch's fifth. Yeah, I think Will Smith was probably last on my choices personally, but 
they're all relatively close for me too, to be fair. Well, moving on to visual effects, I think this one was a no-brainer for me. Yeah. Uh, it was Dune. I just couldn't see really anything else winning. Like everything else, the visual effects were good, but Dune was just a, a whole new world. Right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Dune was the obvious choice here. There were a couple of choices... Like, I guess Free Guy is the biggest one that stands out to me where it just kind of feels like, why is that on this list? And maybe it's because <laughs> it had the most visual effects of any other movie. Yeah, that's true. And then, of course, this is usually the category where we, we get to see some pop film. So we do see a couple of Marvel films. Um, but yeah, no, Dune, uh, I feel like is the obvious choice for me and the Academy. That one had, you know, pretty great looking visual effects. As for original song, it went to No Time to Die. Uh... I think that was probably my second pick. I was going for um, Down to Joy from Belfast. That was my first pick. I heard these songs on the night of the Oscars. Um, I did too. I guess this is another category that I didn't really uh, hear many of them. Um, yeah. I probably would go for maybe No Time to Die. I thought that one was pretty good. I'm never really a big fan of the uh, musical, the, the original songs of the Oscars in a year. So I didn't even bother this year. Well, production design also went to Dune. This one yep. was pretty much a no-brainer for me. I thought West Side Story maybe had a shot, but um, Dune was my number one pick. It was just so incredible. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm, yeah, I, Dune was also my number one pick. Uh, honestly, for me, any of these films, Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy Macbeth, West Side Story, I would be okay with if, if any of them won. They all, I think, look great in terms of their production design. Um, I think if I had to pick a second one, it might just be the tragedy of Macbeth. Um, but that's also partially due to cinematography and costume design all kind of wrapped into one. So I I think for me, anyway, for me, any of these, I would be OK with any of these winning this this production design. But Dune would be my number one. I did like the production design of Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro's new film. But I think the production design of Shape of Water was better. I'll have to think about that one. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen Shape of Water. Well, speaking of costume design, which you mentioned just a little bit ago, I got to say I was a little surprised. Cruella got it. That was my fourth pick. My number one pick once again was Dune because they are creating essentially things from scratch. Whereas Cruella right. is, you know stuff here on earth you know their dresses they're still very well done but dune really is coming up with otherworldly things so dune was my number one pick um nightmare alley was actually my second pick so um what, what was your pick alan so it would either be between dune or nightmare alley for me um either one of those two i probably would go dune just because you know it is a bit, it feels like it would be a little bit more original um than having to base it off of something else uh i did not see corella or Carano. So I can't oh, exactly speak Cyrano. to Cyrano. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Uh, <laughs> I can't exactly speak to you know you know what the production design or costume design is for either of those. But for the other three, Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story, I'd probably go for Dune. But Nightmare Alley is pretty close, and West Side Story too looks does look very good. This one, the next category, original score was a no brainer to me. Dune. I mean, that score was just out of this world. No, no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I did pick Dune, um, but Parallel Mothers was pretty good. Um, I did quite enjoy that one. I did not listen to Don't Look Up and I didn't listen to Encanto. Um, I did listen to Power of the Dog. I think it worked better in the film than outside personally, but uh, Dune is my number one. But again, Parallel Mothers is, 
you know, pretty close second. I did, I did enjoy that one. So I actually didn't get to see Parallel Mothers, so I didn't, wasn't able to uh, categorize any of that. I didn't see it either, uh, but I did listen to the score outside of the film, and the score was pretty good for having no context. Gotcha. I, I wish Tom Zimmer would have been there. I would have liked to have heard a little speech from him. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. wasn't there. But um, as for sound, um, they don't, they just combined it into one now. We don't have sound mixing or sound editing anymore. Uh, which was fairly recent, but Dune got sound. And to me, that was just so obvious because when I first saw that in IMAX, it was just as much of a visual sensation. It was like an auditory sensation as well. Right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Dune was my pick and it makes sense why it was Dune. Um, I haven't seen No Time to Die, so I can't speak for that one. But uh, Belfast, I... I it did not, I guess the sound did not stand out to me in that one. No, it neither. did a little bit with Power of the Dog and West Side Story, but Dune for me is number one. I, I that one it just makes sense. As for animated feature, I know you only got to see 15 minutes of Flea. I didn't get to see any of that, but Encanto one, um, which is kind of a no brainer. That movie is like mm-hmm. super beloved. I don't understand why. I think it's highly mediocre. Uh, my number one pick was actually Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, I thought maybe Mitchell's versus the machines might get it also, but mm-hmm. I thought both of those were far more inventive than Encanto, so I wasn't thrilled about that. It was actually my last pick. Yeah, there are also three movies made by Disney on this list <laughs> of a list of five. So if yeah. Encanto didn't won, uh Luca or Ride the Last Dragon would have won. There's no contest there. Um, yeah, I didn't get to see Nita's. I did actually really wanted to see uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines because it's by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. It was very and a couple good. other people, so it did look interesting. But I never did get a chance to get around, get around to watching it. Cinematography went to Dune. That was my number one pick. Uh, Greg Frazier got it. He is a fantastic cinematographer. Um, yeah, I I was very worried about that because. Blade Runner 2049 was Roger Deakins and it looked beautiful. And then I was really hoping Deakins could move on and do Dune with him. But honestly, Greg Frazier did mm-hmm. such a brilliant job. I mean, the cinematography literally looks like they took a camera and they just went to a different planet. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it definitely looks fantastic. Uh, I had it was either a split between Dune or Tragedy of Macbeth. I love the look of Tragedy of Macbeth like a lot. Um, again, kind of like as I talked about previously, uh, I felt like it, my enjoyment of it is kind of a mishmash of a number of different things. So cinematography, along with production design, along with set design, like those kinds of things. Um, but Tragedy Macbeth or Dune, I would have been okay with. I, I would have gone for either one of those. But honestly, I, any of these on this list, I would have been okay with. They all look great. Tragedy of Macbeth was my third pick. My second pick, my runner-up, was actually West Side Story. Um, I thought that was the one that was a serious um, contender I'm going to give Dune a run for its money. That cinematography was Mm -hmm. just gorgeous. Like, honestly, I don't know outside of Dune if I've seen a movie that quite looks like that. I was I was honestly a little shocked how good it was. Yeah, that one was I was wondering if that one would get it outside uh, over Dune, but Dune walked away with it. It, again, any of these on this list, I would have got, been okay with them walking away with that nomination. Now, film editing. This is where I didn't pick Dune to win, actually. Dune was my second choice. It ended up winning. Joe Walker got it. I actually picked Tick, Tick, Boom for my number one pick for uh, editing. I I guess I didn't write down my what I would think for this. Dune would probably be it. Um, tick, Tick, Boom would probably be like right behind it. They, were, they would be pretty close. Uh, and then probably Power of the Dog. So it'd be probably in that order. I think Dune, 
visually or not visually, but editing wise is fantastic as well as Tick, Tick, Boom. I think that both those films and Power of the Dog, they all are edited very, very well. Um, I think Dude maybe skirts above Tick, Tick, Boom for me just a hair, but it's not very much. I would have been okay with uh, Dune, Power of the Dog, or Tick, Tick, Boom getting the award. Not so sure about Don't Look Up or King Richard. I don't, the editing in those movies did not stand out to me at all. No, King Richard didn't make any sense to me. Um, don't yeah. look up. I that one was probably the weirdest nomination. Yeah, personally, no, it it is. Yeah, don't look up. I'm kind of tired of this Adam McKay style of editing. It was novel in The Big Short, and then it was just obnoxious in Vice. And at this point, I'm I'm just sick of it. So I don't know mm-hmm. why it got it. I didn't find it to be rather clever whatsoever. Now for original screenplay, uh, Kenneth Branagh got it for Belfast. That was actually my second pick. I was still very, very happy. Kenneth Branagh came up there so happy, so humble. I honestly, he really deserved it. But I was actually pulling for um, Paul Thomas Anderson with Licorice Pizza. That was my number one pick. That was my number one pick of all the original screenplay nominations. That one just made the most sense to me. Uh, Again, I can't speak for the worst person in the world. So maybe that one would be better in my mind. But I quite enjoyed Licorice Pizza. Um, I know some people think it's kind of meandering, which is very true. <laughs> That's what my uh, wife said. <laughs> but yeah, and it's, I, I'm not going to argue with it because it's, it's correct, but I, I guess I enjoy more slice of life kind of yeah. movies. And I think Chris Pisa to me is the clear winner here. Yeah. Uh, uh, the rest of them, I thought Belfast was good, but the rest of them, I don't really see a nomination uh, again, outside of the worst person in the world. I can't talk about that one. No, once again, I don't think don't look up should even have be on the list with the rest of these movies. Um, Honestly, I really can't wait to rewatch Licorice Pizza, but I thought Belfast was a really great touching story. Mm -hmm. Now, the biggest upset of the night, at least for me, was Best Adapted Screenplay. Just from a sheer objective point of view, adapting Frank Herbert's Dune is a monumental task in and of itself. And I think they only adapted half of the book, but how they did mm-hmm. adapt it, I thought was brilliant and an incredible achievement because we talked, we reviewed Dune, we reviewed David Lynch's Dune. It is extremely hard to do. Dune was my number one pick. I was I was genuinely shocked it didn't get it since it was winning everything else. Coda got yeah. it, which I think is a great screenplay, but it is a remake of a French film. It's pulled from a French film, which I don't think is as, a big of a feat to do, honestly. Yeah, this was one where uh, between Dune, Lost Daughter, and I can I, I can see the nominations for Drive My Car and Power of the Dog. I I, I'm, I don't know yet if I would go for them, but between at least those two, Dune and Lost and the Lost Daughter, I could honestly I'd be okay with either of those. I'd probably say Dune is probably my number one. Um, Coda is a strange one for me too. I am not seeing it, <laughs> not for adapted screenplay. I, I mentioned in what I, a reviewer wrote for Letterboxd, I felt like that story was uh, rather cliche. Um, good movie, but you know, has a lot of cliches to it that, you know, if it didn't have that element of, you know, the actual you know, hearing impaired individuals being like the sole root of the story, this would have been a, just a bog standard uh, teen who wants to make something in their life drama movie that I've seen a thousand times over. I don't see it personally. I don't think Coda, I think Dune Lost Hunter could have walked away with it. I thought Power of the Dog was going to walk away with it. I thought for sure that one was going to win for this category, but it didn't. 
I'll be honest, Alan, Power of the Dog was my last pick to win. And even Lost Daughter was my fourth pick. Um, I still haven't technically finished that movie. I've watched about two thirds of it. Gotcha. Um, is it worth, should I finish it? I want to know. I would love to know your thoughts on the ending. Okay. I quite enjoyed The Lost Daughter. The Power of the Dog is a movie that I do want to see again because it's a movie that I found I like to think about more than I do to actually watch it. Um, <laughs> so I want to know if maybe now that I thought about some more is worth the is worth it to see it again. Um, but I quite enjoyed The Lost Daughter. I will have to go ahead and finish it up and see see what I think. So for supporting actress, um, that went to Ariana DeBois, West Side Story. Um, for some reason, I kind of had a brain fart on ranking this one. I did it kind of late at night. Looking back through this list, I would have picked her as number one. But I put down um, Kirsten Dunst from Power of the Dog as my number one. Yeah, I would probably go the same Kirsten Dunst. I would probably even put Jesse Buckley maybe there too. I thought Jesse did a great job. In The Lost Daughter. My original rating was actually Kirsten Dunst 1, Jesse Buckley 2, Ariana DuBois 3. But I guess the more I think about it, I think I enjoyed Ariana DuBois' performance the most. Um, Judy Dench, okay. I don't think should have been nominated. She was barely a part of that movie and did very little. And um, Andrew New Ellis was very good, but I, I didn't think she was going to get it. Yeah, I don't really remember... Uh Ariana DeBose's performance in West Side Story, to be honest. Then again, I, that one is probably, uh, it's not as fresh in my mind as some of these other ones are. So maybe I'd feel different if I watched it again. But yeah, for me, Kirsten Dunst probably could walk away with it or should have walked away with it. Either that or Jesse Buckley. Those are the two that really stand out in my mind for a nomination. Now, as far as Best Supporting Actor goes, this was probably my happiest moment of the night. Uh, Troy Kotzer winning for CODA. He was my number one pick. I thought he gave a really emotional, you know, powerful performance. And I just loved his speech. He just went up there with true humility. Mm -hmm. He had that hilarious like Popeye bit. And um, yep. I, I know I was starting to starting to get a little uh, misty eyed when he's talking about his dad. Um, you know, in the car crash and he says, look at me now, I did it. And I'm like, man, that's, that's just why we're watching this, you know, it's because, and you mm -hmm. could tell he was genuinely surprised. And especially when you contrast it with Will Smith's bizarre rambling, arrogant speech of it all. I'm like, no, I was just so happy for Troy Kutzer winning it. He was my number one pick. Yeah, I am totally okay with him winning it. He did a fantastic job in CODA. Um, some of these don't really make sense to me. J.K. Simmons and being the Ricardos. I mean, he's a great actor, but I don't see the nomination. Um, Jesse Plemons, uh, I don't know if I would see the nomination there for Power of the Dog. I felt like he just wasn't in there enough to give too much of a performance, or at least not one enough for a nomination. Yeah. I would have been okay with Cody Smith McPhee. I thought he did great. Um, but yeah, I think Tori Coatser is probably the obvious choice here i think he did fantastic in in, in coda so siren hines was actually my second pick he was my first pick until i saw coda i thought he gave a great performance i love jesse plemons as an actor he didn't have enough here mm. to warrant a nomination which seemed very strange to me jk simmons honestly they clearly had nobody else to nominate and they said, let's go with JK again. He should not have been nominated. Mm -hmm. Gave a perfectly fine performance, but best actor. 
I'm shocked. Now, I know like Stewart from now playing wanted him to win the role. He was his number one pick. For me, I, I don't see it. Um, Cody Smith McPhee, he was my uh, third place. So between those three, I, I could see it. Mm. Now, I thought this was no contest, honestly. Jessica Chastain winning Best Actress for the Eyes of Tammy Faye just blew it out of the water. I can see it. I <laughs> wouldn't go for Jessica Chastain. What? Um, I thought she... I thought she did a great job acting. Oh my gosh. But I also thought that the character was also just annoying, <laughs> to be fair. Um, but no, she did do a very good job. She very much transformed into the to Tammy Faye, to be fair. Um, my personal pick would probably be either Kirsten Stewart for a Spencer or Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter. I, I've come to find that I really, really enjoy Olivia Coleman as an actress. Um, but Kristen Stewart also kind of blew me away with her performance in Spencer. I quite enjoyed that one. So either one of those I would have been okay with. And Jessica Chastain would probably be number three. So I cannot speak. I also can't speak to Penelope Cruz winning. Unfortunately, um, that mm -hmm. was a $20 Same. rental that I wasn't going to shell out and take a $20 gamble yeah. on that, unfortunately. So Kristen Stewart was actually... I was actually like secretly hoping that maybe she would get it because I was very impressed mm -hmm. with her performance, loved her performance. I actually just really loved Spencer on the whole. That's one I'm going to own and rewatch. My wife did not like it and she thought Kristen Stewart did okay. But um, it should be noted, Kristen Stewart got the Oscar nomination before Robert Pattinson. And he's been doing a lot That's more, true. you know, interesting stuff than her with charlie's angels and whatnot mm -hmm. anyways uh olivia Absolutely. olivia coleman is great in the right material from what i saw in that movie she did just fine in the lost daughter she was my fourth pick as of this she was my last pick maybe once i finish the movie i'll feel different but i've seen a majority of it i thought she did perfectly fine um it was jessica chastain's first oscar win her third nomination um, Anthony Hopkins was funny. He presented it. He said, Will, S Will Smith said it all. Let's have peace, love, and uh, quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now for best director, um, Jane Campion won for Power of the Dog. This, I think, is a little hard for me to predict because I'm not on set. I don't necessarily get to see behind the scenes how they work with their cast and how they direct the movie. But typically what I think mm -hmm. is... It's just the Oscars is weird how somebody can win like best director, but not win best picture or a movie can win best screenplay, but like not best picture and a movie could win every other category except for like best picture. So, um, Jane Campion was my fourth pick. Um, Kenneth Branagh was actually my first pick. Well, Denis Villeneuve was my first pick, but he wasn't nominated. Wasn't. Yeah. For whatever reason. I was so frustrating. Um, anyways, uh, Kenneth Branagh, I really thought should have won out of all of these uh, people um, with Paul Thomas Anderson being a second. I would be okay with uh, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, maybe, and West Side Story. I think any of those three, I would probably be okay with. Uh, it's kind of hard for me to decide. Uh, I don't, it's it's weird, yeah, that Dune is not on this list. Um, it's, it's strange to me. I, I honestly thought that it was either going to be Power of the Dog or Drive My Car that the Academy would go for. And I thought if any of those, if either of those two would be Power of the Dog, uh, I, I thought Power of the Dog was going to win most of its nominations, and this is the only one that it got was Best Director. Um, I thought that the Academy would, you know, go would be all over this film, but apparently they weren't in terms of winning. 
but those are the, my two. Licorice Pizza or West Side Story, I, I think either of those two I'd be okay with. I do kind of want to see Belfast again. I was not super into it when I was watching it. Really? So maybe on a second watching. Oh, wow. I definitely recommend giving that one another shot. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Jane Campion, this is her second Oscar, fifth nomination. But this is the second year in a row a woman has won for Best Director. It's very true. All right. The the big award of the night. Alan, I got to know what were you going for? Give me like your top three or something. Top three, uh, Dune, Licorice Pizza, and then after that, I got to look at this list because I didn't write down three. Maybe Power of the Dog, maybe Nightmare Alley, maybe West Side Story, one of those three from number three. <laughs> okay. I thought, I, mean, I was thinking Dune was probably going to walk away with it. Um, I personally kind of secretly wanted Licorice Pizza to walk away with it. Uh, definitely not Don't Look Up probably not Belfast, definitely not Coda, and definitely not King Richard. Those were the few that were I was thinking that no, I don't think any of these should should get it. But yeah. Interesting. So didn't. definitely not Coda, but that's what won. I wasn't a very big fan of Coda personally. I thought it was good, but wow. not best picture worthy for uh, overall film. So I will say across the board because I write down my ratings and then I write down my rankings. <sighs> There was, I think a lot of these movies were like, I would say at least, at least half of these movies were just okay. In yeah. my opinion. Oh yeah. I thought this year was kind of weird because it's like a bunch of okay stuff or questionable things. And then some like, yeah, that's a great movie or that's almost a perfect movie. So for me personally, Dune was just heads and tails above everything. Just as far as like cinematic achievement goes and storytelling. So I'm, I was genuinely shocked Dune didn't get it until I heard, I guess, well, I guess the power of the dog was originally the favorite to win because it got 12 nominations. It was winning like every other award. And then I, I guess Coda went in with huge buzz that Coda was going to walk away with it, which I didn't even know that mm -hmm. at that point. So Coda had already won screenplay. I guess that should have been an indicator to us that it was a force to be reckoned with. Um, it, to me, it seemed like a bit of a dark horse pick, but Dune was my number one. I will say, I actually, I guess I feel the opposite of Alan. I thought Coda was a great movie. I thought it was very touching and heartwarming. I didn't find it to be very pretentious. While at some points it might seem little more than maybe an ABC episode plot. I don't know. I still think for the most part, it was very good. So Coda was my number two pick. Actually, I was still very happy for them because I think there just wasn't a lot of pretension behind the win. Whereas in recent years, there has been some serious pretentiousness to to what wins or it also seems political as far as the win yeah. goes. And I didn't think they felt that way at this time. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I had a feeling that Doom would probably not walk away with the best picture. Like, it's just one of those things where, you know, what it's up against, I felt like Doom was just was not going shot. to win. And it didn't. And my, my theory was correct. I wasn't expecting it to be Coda before the Oscars, <laughs> but as the Oscars went along and then the, I saw, you know, Coda get the best picture win, I was like, okay, well, I think it makes a lot more sense. The writing was kind of on the wall for for Coda, I felt. I, I think, again, I think it's a good film. Definitely not one that I think I would pick up very often, but I, I did enjoy myself watching this movie, and I think that it does have a lot of important elements to it that other films just haven't talked about before. But 
I think you're right when you say about half of the films in this list are pretty mediocre. Uh, King, King Richard is not a film I would honestly put anywhere near the Oscars, in my opinion. Um, Drive My Car mm -hmm. is rather controversial for me. I don't know what to think about it right now. Don't Look Up is also a very strange film um, to me. I don't really see it here in Belfast. I wasn't a big fan of. Those are the few that I'm just like, I don't really see them being best picture personally. I will agree with you for the most part. While I did think Coda was a great film, taking its place among the pantheon of The Godfather, Lawrence of Arabia, I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, Dr. Zhivago, I don't know if Dr. Zhivago won, but just taking its place there. Now, there's other movies that I think shouldn't have won best picture whatsoever, but still, nevertheless, they did. Eh, that's a little harder for me to swallow. Belfast, well, I think is a great movie. Best picture is stretching it, I think. And then any like all of my rankings, because Belfast was third, everything from there on out is I just don't think should have even been considered. I don't think King Richard should have been considered. Um West Side Story already won back in 1961 when it originally came out. So I'm mm -hmm. glad that it didn't win this time since it's literally a remake pretty much of it. Um, even though I thought Licorice Pizza was good, I, I still didn't think it was going to win or probably should have won. Nightmare Alley for me, I gave that a 6 out of 10. While I liked it, that was just like not one of Guillermo del Toro's best. And honestly, I, I failed to see how it's much better than like Crimson Peak in some instances, mm -hmm. which definitely everybody hated. So I, I was very like, it's it's okay, not great. Um, Power of the Dog, I, I'm i on record not liking that movie at all. I gave it a four out of 10. Um, Drive My Car was a slog to get through. I gave that movie a three out of 10. I was wildly frustrated with it. And um, Don't Look Up, I found to be a complete joke that it was even nominated for Best Picture. That was just ridiculous. So it was my last pick. Those, those are my list. <laughs> yeah. For, and for me, there are a few movies on this list. And I, I think I've already talked about a couple of them that I do want to see again. There, especially with Nightmare Alley and Power of the Dog, there are those are two movies where I watched it and I was bored out of my mind watching them. But then after the film was over, I just couldn't stop thinking about, you know, what they were about and the things that they were talking about. I, for whatever, it was really strange. For whatever reason, those are the two I did not enjoy watching, especially Power, especially Power of the Dog. I, I did not enjoy watching, but afterwards I really enjoyed thinking about and that's why they're kind of higher up for me is even though I didn't really enjoy watching them the first time, you know, maybe after I'm thinking about it, I can go back and watch it again at some point in the future, I'll have a different perspective on it. Drive My Car, we have very similar thoughts on. Uh, it seems like it's overly long, maybe a bit too much. Um, I think it has a lot more to it that I maybe, maybe can see why they would want it to be uh, up for a bunch of nominations. Um, again, maybe a second viewing would change that. I don't know. So I guess those are kind of my thoughts on the films of the whole. Uh, I gave Belfast a five, Coda a seven, Don't Look Up a four, Drive My Car a six, Dune a nine, King Richard a six, Licorice Pizza an eight, Nightmare Alley a six, Power of the Dog, I'm between a seven and an eight, and West Side Story, I'm also between a seven and eight. So there you go. Yeah, some of them are close together, and some of us are far apart, our rankings at least with some of those. But nevertheless, yeah. 
I would say the caliber of films was just lacking this year. And I don't know oh, if yeah. that's because we're coming out of COVID still, as far as like movies that were in production and there was just not as much to pick from. I mean, honestly, Dune shouldn't even have been at the Oscars this year. It should have been at the Oscars last year because it was supposed to come out a long time ago. So I'm really pulling for Dune. Hey, Fellowship of the Ring didn't win. I don't think it won Best Picture. Return of the King did. Yeah. So there's still hope that we're going to get a Dune movie that wins Best Picture. I, I believe that's going to happen. But I know a lot of people just say heads and tails. Dune is it for them, no matter what the Academy says. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that you're right. This was definitely a year of mediocrity for the most part for the Oscars. And like you said, to be fair, I, I'm I'm sure a good number of these films are filmed within 2020 and 2021, like prime time for, for COVID. In the case of, you know, Dune, it was pushed back from 2020 release date to later to 2021 because of COVID. So I'm sure that's why we're seeing a lot of, uh, I guess, slim pickings for great films this year is because, you know, for the year that they would have been, you know, filmed and produced in, everything was pretty well locked down. <laughs> so... I can see why it was lacking, but yeah, this year overall was a pretty mediocre list of good films for up for Oscars compared to previous years. I will say compared to last year, though, I think by and large, these films are better because last year, just a refresher, Promising Young Woman, Trial of Chicago 7, oh. Mank, you know, Sound of Metal. While those were okay in some respects, best picture, the, I think last year was the real stinker i mean i think the father was probably heads and tails the best uh movie and it didn't win but for whatever. me i think that there are still a few movies from last year that i can pick out and say yeah that film was amazing like sound of metal and the father are two i can name right off the bat that i think are both incredible films uh, there really isn't a film from this list that i would say that's the film outside of maybe dune uh where i can say that's a fantastic movie uh dune is probably the only one i can really say that to everything else i felt is at least personally, not really all there yet. Uh, there are some contenders, but maybe on a second watching, I, I can say that's the one. But for the, compared to last year, I felt like last year, I least had a few films where I would say, yeah, that film was amazing. Only doing this year. And that one was kind of, I felt like, you know, expected almost. Well, just a recap before we close it out, just to give you an overview of the winners and losers. Power of the Dog went home with one out of 12. So the, that makes the power of the dog the biggest loser of the night. I again, I kind of figured that the Academy would be all over this movie, but they weren't only for directing is when it actually got uh, everything else. It, it got beat. So I that one was my biggest surprise. I thought for sure that the Academy would go for power of the dog. Uh, I guess they I guess they had other thoughts in mind. Well, the biggest winner of the night was Dune taking home six of its 10 nominations. That's very impressive. Mm hmm. Also, not too much of a surprise, but compared to that or Power of the Dog, I guess it's a little bit of a surprise. It did heads and tails, like by far, like take home the most awards. Um, West Side Story went home with one out of seven. Belfast, one out of seven. Drive My Car, one out of four. Coda did bat, you know, 100%. It got three out of its three noms. Mm -hmm. It won in all of the categories. Um, Don't Look Up, went home empty-handed. Nightmare Alley, Tragedy of Macbeth, Being the Ricardos. Um, those all went home empty-handed. Encanto did go home with one out of three. Flea went home empty-handed. No Time to Die, one out of three. King Richard went home 
one out of two. Licorice Pizza got nothing. Um, Eyes of Tammy Faye got both um, in its categories. Uh, Lost Daughter, Parallel Mothers, Tick, Tick, Boom, went home empty-handed. Cruella got one, and Worst Person in the World went home empty-handed. So it was a somewhat like low-scoring night. Um, mm-hmm. It was fairly concentrated between a couple different movies with Dune. I would say Dune sweeping it for the most part. Now, it did miss out on four of its nominations, but... It's it still really good. Yeah, still, I mean, walking away with, you know, more than half of your nominations is a good, I would say, a good thing. Absolutely. Well, Alan, thanks for joining me. Sure thing. Listeners, thank you so much for coming along with us on our um, Oscars post-discussion. Um, my review of The Kingsman is um, also uh, has come out today. That's Monday. If you may be listening to this on Monday, you may be listening to this on um, Tuesday. We'll see. Um, but nevertheless, thank you for joining us as we talked about the Oscars. We want to know. What was your um, winners and losers of the night? What were your picks? Were you upset? Did you enjoy it? I know some people thought this was a great Oscars show. Some people loved the show. Some people thought it was just really a low point in the in the history of the award show. But nevertheless, you know our thoughts now. We're curious to know your thoughts. Let us know on our social media pages. Go ahead and email us. All of that is in the description below. And um, we'll, I'll be coming back next week with my review of Kingsman, The Golden Circle. So once again, Alan, thanks for joining me and listeners. We'll see you next week. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.